This is Paul Nobles from Eden Forum, and I am here with my co-host, Meredith D. Lamar. Meredith, if you want to say hello to everyone. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. Yeah, the um, it is a happy Friday. Actually, last Friday, I was in New Orleans, and uh, I was celebrating my 50th birthday, which actually happened on Monday. Happy birthday, by the way. I know we chatted on your birthday, but happy birthday. Yeah, the um, I don't I'm conflicted about turning 50, but uh, you know what? It happened. Nothing I can do about. It. Um, couple couple orders of business uh, right out the gate. We uh, are doing a big drive for members in October here. I think it's a it's a really great time for a lot of people to join because, and especially if you have friends or family. If you think about what's going to happen here real soon, right? We're going to get into the holidays. Everybody digs a hole, and then January 1st, they want to, want to get out of that hole. This would be a great way for people to go into the holidays way more prepared than they've ever been before. And then if they want to move to some kind of fat loss cycle or something like that, mm -hmm. they're actually taking away from where they are now rather than taking away from being 10 to 15 pounds up. Right. So be on the lookout for that. We also have our final week of the weekly challenges that, that actually go into um, three different little cycles right now. And uh, we're going to be at the front end of the cycle and I have kind of a new way of registering everyone, so I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot more people. Right now, we have something like 11,500 people in those challenges. So if you're not in those challenges, I mean, the last week or so, we had uh, 2,000 people um, be eligible for prizes. So uh, let me just make sure that all my beeping is gone away. Yeah, I went ahead and double-checked mine and made sure all my notifications are shut off for this. Yeah, no, no it's not a problem. But, uh, yeah, so so be on the lookout for that. I think uh, it's it's been really exciting. I think, you know, we had never had anything more than 800, um, and we gave away two, you know, Apple Watches, and, and that seemed to get people fired up. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Apple so be on the lookout. We actually have some really cool ideas for prize for the next challenge, so be on the lookout for that. Um, other than that, anything interesting going on um, in in your life uh, last week, last two weeks actually? Oh, we're boring. <laughs> um, I don't know. Not we're just it's school. You know, you're in that that push between you know the beginning of school and Thanksgiving break. We do have a little bit of a fall break next week, two weeks from now. Um, but it's just the the same old, same old. We have a, you know, Bailey's got volleyball. Parker, you know, he's a fresh or not a freshman. Oh my gosh, he's a junior and he works and he, um, you know, just just the same. You know, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm my, sorry. We my, have just normal a normal life. I mean, it's you know. I know. You know, it's so funny that you say that because I was in New Orleans, right? There's all this cool stuff. And it was Saturday night. And it was the one night that we rented a car mm -hmm. um, just because we needed to go to Oak Alley. Um, if if uh, you don't know what Oak Alley is, it's probably the most famous plantation 
Um, this is actually a good venue to talk about this a little bit. Um, but it's the most famous plantation probably in Louisiana and probably in the South, right? All kind of movies and stuff have been filmed there. Okay. And uh, I was married there. Oh. And yeah, it was really cool. Um, I have to say, like, when I was married there, I was not it – was, it was interesting because, you know, being from the South, you know, you wanted something that sort of represents the South – and I never really thought of it from the negative connotation, like at all, right? I right. never thought of it at all, you know. And I was married when uh, I was 27. Okay. And uh, a couple years later, you know, I was showing, you know, who at that time an African well, he's an African African he was he's from um, Congo and he asked me he's like you know were you guys ever conflicted about having you know your wedding there and uh, I was like, oh yeah no <laughs> sadly we weren't um, and it got me thinking you know from from his perspective and. African American, you know, for those that don't know, <coughs> my stepfather's black, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, the uh, and and it's interesting because you know, I after the fact, I asked him, you know, I was like, hey, you know, uh, you know David, David, uh, da David. So David was my assistant. His his actual name is Yamba, and. Um, so it's something that you would think we would have been more sensitive to. And uh, what was interesting about Oak Alley at that time is that there was really no emphasis on the fact that slaves worked there, right? And, uh, you know, you think of this kind of pageantry and this beautiful mansion and, and these alley of oaks, and uh, you really don't think about what, like, built it, right? And so since Iamba brought it to my attention, um, you know, I, I asked my stepfather, I was like, you know, you were there, you know, what, what did you think? He's like, honestly, <laughs> I, never, I never thought twice about it. And I'm like, oh, that makes me feel better, you know, that that he was also not really thinking about it. And I think he was being honest with me. I don't think he would be trying to, like, save my feelings. We're, we're pretty close. In fact, when mm -hmm. we were down in New Orleans, I don't really have my mother passed away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he was the only person that we visited um, while we were down there. But but the cool thing was, and and I think that this was cool. There was some things that I was sort of conflicted about with it. Um, there's a whole new section related to slavery, right? Oh. And the slaves that lived on the plantation clearly. It was something that they were really serious about. Now, the in, in this story, right, the slaves are definitely the hero. You know, oh, yeah. um, as an example, one of the slaves mm -hmm. on the Oak Alley Plantation was the basic inventor of the modern pecan, right? Previous to his, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Working from a botanist angle, um, I mean, 
it's sort of interesting because you don't really think of the life of slaves until you go to an exhibit like this and then you realize the level of skills that these folks brought to the table and then they brought to the table you know even after um the emancipation proclamation and things like that but i have you know it's so interesting because as a kid that lived literally miles away from this plantation and grew up near Destrehan Plantation, there was not this level of education that exists now. You know, when oh. we went there and, and you know, they're talking about the history of the slaves and the people that lived on there and, and <clears throat> went through like this family of slaves. And it did sort of portray the plantation owners of Oak Alley as heroes as well, which I think would be sort of difficult to take, you know, if you were African American, right? Because they're clearly not, you know, your your oppressor can't be the hero, you know. But the the thing that they would argue uh, was that Oak Alley was one of the um, only plantations that that really actively worked to keep families intact. Um, it was very common, as an example, um, just to uh, sell slaves one on one. I know this is going to be a weird topic for nutrition, uh, <laughs> but I, but I thought it was really interesting. You know, I mean, like uh, you know, I, after my interaction with with David or Yamba, um, I did have a lot of guilt about it. You know, and it, it's, clearly, it's clearly something that, you know, my daughters, every time we go there, they want to go to Oak Alley to see where, <laughs> where, um, uh, where we were married. And we actually stayed as a family. They have like uh, the these, you know, bed and breakfast. Um, and we were able to stay there and we were able to walk the grounds at night when no one else was there. They have they have kind of this family of cats that uh, basically just keeps mice away from the house and, and all the exhibits. And uh, so that, that was kind of a neat thing. So, you know, the, seeing this exhibit and seeing how well done it was uh, made me feel good. I, I think one of the things that was sort of interesting that you might not think um, is that like if you're from the north, you would think a lot of African-Americans would not be there. I know there and the Whitney Plantation <clears throat> talk a lot now about the history of slavery. And if I was, you know, doing field trips, I'd want every school to go there. You know, I mean, right. I don't know. How, I don't know how well versed you are on this but in terms of like the holocaust and germany germany is very active in making sure that germans are very aware of what happened in the holocaust so right. kind of seeing you know mm -hmm. uh, new orleans embrace that that piece of their heritage is something that actually makes me a little bit proud you know even though you know, maybe it's a little bit too late. It's obviously an exhibit that people are paying for. Um, so I could definitely see how people have, um, you know, conflicted opinions about it. But as someone who grew up, you know, 
in a biracial family that tries to be really sensitive uh, sensitive of these topics, you can sort of hear in my voice that I'm being more thoughtful in what I'm saying, right? Because you have to be cautious about, you know, people's <laughs> sensitivities and think through, you know, even if you're on the same team, right? right. Even if you, you know, and uh, I just, you know, I'm still conflicted about it. You know, I'm, I'm still, I still have a great deal. I mean, my, my oldest daughter said that if she was married, you know, she thinks she would get married at Oak Alley because we got married there. Um, and uh, I said, does it give you any pause? You know, that, you know, the reason why we have pause because, you know, slaves made that place. And she's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it does. It does. And what's interesting about my daughters is they've always thought about it as a slave plantation because we brought them up that way. Right. And and I am I am proud of that, you know, that uh, that we're able to talk about those things and and just kind of get that thing, get get that out. But we devoted a whole day to that, which, you know, I've been to Oak Alley so many times. You know, when we were <laughs> when we were looking for places to get married, one of the places that we were looking at was St. Charles Avenue, which is a very historic, you know, that's where the streetcars are and, and things of this nature in in New Orleans. And then my dad said, hey, you know, one of the places that we might look might want to look, you know is this place called Oak Alley. Have you ever been there? And I was like, no, I haven't. And he's like, he's like, well, I've got some bad news for you. If we go there, it's going to cost you a fortune because you're going to have your wedding there. <laughs> you know? And he was right. It was actually, it actually really wasn't <laughs> that expensive. I think it'd be a lot more expensive these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, but we only had, you know, 50 people, it was late October. My my anniversary is actually in two weeks. Um, but we were married in a, in a nice fall, crisp day. It was it was like, you know, it was it was like the stuff dreams are made. <laughs> we we definitely did it right. Um, so yeah, so that was a little bit of <laughs> of, of my New Orleans experience. We we ate our way through New Orleans. Hey, did we get um? is your fat loss cycle over or are you still doing that? No, I've got a couple more weeks. I had a, um, this is what happened. So this is real life. I'll tell you guys this. So we had a really just a stressful, um, last couple of weeks. It's, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but we found out my nephew has terminal brain cancer and, um, it's been, it's just been really hard. And it's, so I kind of went off rails just cause I was, we were stressed. I was just trying to help process this and all of this thing. So I didn't, um, Last week, I really, I didn't, I didn't track. I can't even tell you what I ate. I didn't even weigh myself. My training was off because I wasn't sleeping. Um, <clears throat> but um, I'm back on it this week. I'm down another two pounds from the last time we talked about it. So I'm down a total of eight pounds in my fat loss cycle. So we're going to go a couple more weeks just because I um, kind of had a week and a half. <laughs> I didn't do anything with it. Um, and, but you know, that's life and that happens. And fortunately, I didn't go gain back everything that I had worked for. Um, now, have you been through two? The, no. Both? Okay, so you just one shot right now. 
Yes. Gotcha. So, so do you plan on, as an example, revisiting it after the holidays or, or, or do you feel like it's pretty much done? It depends on how it goes. Probably pretty much done. Um, I want it. I'll probably go to the end of October. So what's that's two more weeks, right? Gives us two yeah. more weeks. Um, maybe because of this, just one more week into November. Um, but then I don't know. I'll see how January one lands me just because um, I've kind of gotten almost where I want to be and just kind of see, I may need just a quick little after the holidays and everything else, but I'm pretty, I'm usually pretty good. I can usually um, keep things on track during yeah. holidays. Um, so, and my training will always be up there. Um, that's something that doesn't really suffer for me. The biggest thing that I've done in the fat loss phase is I've changed up my training. So I'm not doing um, as much. I will say I've, um, I rest a little bit more. I keep my workouts. We were talking about this. Um, when I do, I do some accessory strength training to kind of keep my muscle up and the the gains that I made with my muscle gain this last year. Um, but I'll try to keep those within like 30 minutes. So I um, kind of hit it hard with some of this accessory work after, um, after CrossFit. Um, but then sometimes I don't even do like the, the wad in CrossFit. I'll just do the strength portion and hit my accessory maybe a little bit of aerobic capacity on a rower, you know, a little bit of height and then, and then get out of the gym and go home. So I just, I'm not as, I'm not in a competitive mode right now where I'm doing all of the CrossFit wads and all of the um, things to like prepare me for a competition or anything like that. Um, so I guess I, I backed off on my training and it's, it's, it's actually really worked for me with this fat loss phase, keeping my low intensity stuff up, getting my steps in, taking my dog for a walk, you know, those kind of things and just, backing off my I'm training, which I think is what um, has just kind of helped me stay steady, even when things went a little crazy the last week and a half. Um, but it, it but it works. But that's life. That's what I you know, you want your clients to know is that stress happens. Life happens. We have things that are completely out of our control and you can't. It just wasn't a priority for me at that point. My priority was, you know, my kids and my family and just helping us get through this time and kind of um, you know, adjust to what, you know, what's coming and all these things. And, um, it, that, that's life. So that wasn't, it, it wasn't a priority for me and that, and we understand that. And that's what we want our clients to understand too, is that when things come up, you just have to, you know, deal with them and go and then, you know, get back to it when you can. So I think one of the things that's sort of interesting about what you're talking about mm -hmm. is that people, and I think you described it really well. People often think that as calories come back that you deal with weight gain and you probably deal with a little bit more fluctuation than you do yeah. actual weight gain. What, what ends up happening, and, and I've been wanting to write an article about this for a while, but I think that there really are two different ways to look at things. There's, there's kind of weight loss. And so let's let's refer to weight loss as, you know, losing 100 pounds. Right. Okay. And then there's weight management. Right. Yeah. And what you're referring to is weight management. And mm -hmm. I think people want to believe that you can manage your weight and, you know, stay the same weight a really long time. I think ultimately that you should always 
have a period of weight management, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, might, it might be, you know, for me, you know, it's been like four years, you know, but, but I'm probably due, you know? Yeah. And I think if people sort of look at it that way, but I think they're too caught up in this weight loss idea. And it's like weight loss is dramatic loss, right? But when you're talking about weight management, the good majority of the time, if you're not dieting, then you're going to be putting on muscle, especially if you're doing any kind of resistance training or anything like that. So I thought that that was kind of interesting because I think that the way that people gain weight is not when calories come back. The way that people gain weight is over the course of six months to a year where they sort of allow, you know, these moments of indiscretion to sort of build on each other, right? right. And, and you would admit that to be true. I know I would admit that to be true. I'm not going, if I'm in a muscle building stage or I'm in a performance phase and my weight starts to go up a little bit, I have to realistically think to myself, is this exactly what I want in this scenario, right? Right. And of course, I could put that like really rigid um, thought process in place and then move back to fat loss and constantly be dieting. Or I can say, you know what? I mean, if I can just kind of move my ceiling up in the last four years, I've moved my ceiling up quite a bit mm -hmm. because, you know, in that time I was able to gain lean mass. Was it all lean mass? No. Right. It doesn't. You're, I mean, you're always going to yeah but i think if people can sort of make peace with that and then sort of get better you know at their exercise whether it's running whether it's boot camp whether it's crossfit whatever it is you know that mentality is sort of important but but it's not it's not as calories come back and your weight's fluctuating two pounds right that you should freak out it really it really happens over six months to a year where you start to kind of allow those moments to add up on each other and you never you know you kind of allow yourself to you know things sort of get away we see this every day <coughs> you guys know okay. right there's a lot of people that are even lifetime clients i think i've talked about this on the podcast before that go away you know these moments of indiscretion start to add up and, and then they come back, which is is great for them. And I think great for us, too, because, you know, they don't have to pay us a nickel, you know, right. to come back. And, and, and that's one of the big values of being lifetime clients. And I think, you know, I think we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 4, or 5,000 lifetime clients right now. Yeah. That's a big benefit, and and it's not just a big benefit for you guys. It's a big benefit for us because those people represent the core of who we are, right? right. And I was I was going to say a couple of things. So when my my weight fluctuation in this was really about two pounds, I went up. The furthest I went up in all of this was two pounds, and I mean that's not sleeping and all of that. And um, again, I just didn't didn't even worry about it. But I like what you said about the weight management. It reminds me. So Susie said something that she does a fat loss. Um, once a like once a year to manage her weight she'll do a short fat loss phase which short manages her weight so that's her weight management so when these little things start to build up and when you know she'll just do it once a year and that's how she does it but i just thought it was an interesting way to put a you know to put a kind of say what you were saying about the weight management to 
Yeah, but, because know, I think what happens is that if you don't do it that way, mm-hmm. you just overreact to small fluctuations. Right. You know, and then what happens is is now you've created a floor rather than a ceiling. Right. And so so you know, if you look at someone who is managing their weight and their weight never moves, I got bad news for you. Those people undereat a lot. Yeah. And then when they have moments where they don't undereat, they gain weight and overreact, right? And, and so go ahead. So I, I just think that that's important for people to hear because, you know, when we talk about kind of using food as an ally and, and getting better at the gym and, you know, all those things become super, super important. And I was just going to say, to add to that, when you do, when you have a healthy metabolism and you have a ceiling and you, if a sign of a healthy metabolism is weight fluctuation. I mean, you're not going to stay um, at that low number all the time. Like I said, I mean, I have days where maybe I'm up a little bit, but the next time I drop in this fat loss phase, I'm back down further than I was before. And when I go back up, I don't go quite back up as high. And then I jump. That's just a sign of a healthy metabolism that's working. A great sign of a healthy metabolism is when I I was in New Orleans. Okay. When I was in New Orleans, I ate like, I ate everything. Everything has sodium. And I came back down two pounds. Um, Now, walking had a lot to do with it. You know, we got a lot of walking in. Um, But that's what I talk about where you kind of have this. Right. And so when the ceiling is at an appropriate level, your body handles food a lot better than it does when you're constantly under eating. And when people understand that, then they won't freak out as much about those bigger about those jumps in weight when they're up, because maybe they did have a day their sodium was high and their training was low and they jumped up two pounds. And then, you know, they have a couple days later, they're down. They went up two, but now they're down three. You know, I mean, it just. I mean, I hope that people are learning. I hope our clients are learning this as they go. But for people who aren't clients of ours that might be listening to this, that is the um, that's the thing that you want to to know is that it's a sign of a healthy metabolism. Just because you jump up, don't just go off rails and quit eating or, um, you know, jump down to your twelve hundred calories again to lose that three pounds. You put the the scale says you put on because you really didn't put on three pounds. You know, that's just a a healthy weight fluctuations. So, and again, okay. like, so let, let's um, go ahead, finish your point, but let's try and get back my to point the, just the, you know, we all have these times of stress and it's just, don't, don't fret about them. Don't, don't get overworked, you know, worked up about them and completely let them build. Just get back to it when, you know, when you can. And then when the next one comes up, know that it's going to be okay. And you can get back to it, whether that's vacation or whether that's, you know, something going on in your family or whether it's an illness or, you know, whatever it is, just take it as it comes and then get back to it when you can. Cause the stress and, doesn't and, matter. And kind of viewing it as weight management rather than yeah. weight loss. I think yeah. it's helpful. I agree. So, so I was reading this article today <laughs> that actually made a big impression on me. And I thought that it would make a good topic for the podcast. Um, one of the, um, so the basic idea was that weight training is corrective. And I know and, and probably the best introduction to this concept is 
my first experience with weight training. So about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, there was these movement screenings that personal trainers would put you through to sort of see where your range of motion was at. And in theory, it was a decent idea, but you don't see it near as much now. Um, really, you don't see it at all. I, I don't hear many people that talk about them. And I think the reason why they didn't is the same reason why I didn't sign up with that personal trainer. He basically just told me I was broken, right? And the emphasis of this article was, you know, there's people that will tell you you have interior pelvic tilt and you have this and you have that. And I can say to you 1,000% that when that trainer did that screening for me, it did not make me want to work with him to correct it. Right. It just scared out of me more. You know, and when you look at why you lose range of motion, why you lose bone density, why you lose, you know, a lot of function, it's just because you're not practicing at it regularly. Right. And you can practice at it regularly, safely. Right. So one of the big emphasis early on. And this is something that I really had to, to change my mind a lot about, because, you know, we all have a little something, you know, somebody's got shoulder things. You know, I, my ankle is fused to my my leg um, because of a motorcycle accident. So I spent. Probably three to four years trying to work on overhead squats. You know, I spent many years, um, you know, working on toes to bar, um, kipping pull-ups, you know, would would affect my lower back. Right. And one of the things that really helped me mentally, so I think, I think, I think some people are going to take what I'm about to say in the wrong way, and I don't I don't mean it in the wrong way, right? <laughs> but yesterday I, I did a wad, right? Now I'm I'm just coming back to CrossFit, as a lot of people know, and you know there's no magic to CrossFit, right? It's just that's where my fit family is, and uh, you know there is benefit to intensity. There's just no two about it, you know? Will I move to a little bit more weight training? Sure, I will, probably at some point. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm having fun time. But yesterday in the wide, there was handstand push-ups, right? And, you know, if you've never done a handstand push-up, you know, like in this wide, you know, I would have been kipping and landing on my head. Yeah. I'm never going to do handstand push-ups again. It's 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 dumb for me. Now, notice I said for me, right? right? If you're a CrossFit Games athlete and you need to do a strict handstand push-up, God bless you, right? But me landing my head on the ground, even on a pad, makes no sense at all. I would have just been way better off doing push presses or a movement real similar to it. You know, I gotta do it. I could have done a 200-pound push press. And basically, I got the same type of movement 
related to you know Shoulder. my shoulders. And so, you know, thinking back on it, you know, would I have done it differently? I would, right? Um, I don't do toes to bar and wide. I will do kipping pull-ups, you know. Um, you know, I, I prefer to do strict. You know, I, I like the wads that do strict. If it's like a low amount of, of pull-ups, I will do strict. You know, but I modify pretty freely. Like, to be completely honest with you, the coaches don't like it. You know, um, but, it, you know, it's my workout. Right. Not you know, now I will say this. They used to not like it. Um, it's much more common for people to modify much more freely than it used to be. Right. I mm -hmm. And I would say I would say that that's been a, a really cool movement within CrossFit. And I think a lot of that comes down to mm -hmm. the scaled event in, in the CrossFit Open. I mean, there were so many of us that you know, we're trying to get overhead squats that really could not work in those positions. I, I would say 25% of your gym at any given time should not be doing overhead squats. They just okay. don't have range of motion. Or at least with weight. Like sometimes we'll right. have them do it with a PVC pipe. And, you know, that might be okay. But, yeah, definitely there is a good chunk of people that if they can't do a regular squat, they definitely shouldn't be doing overhead squats. Or if they can't stand with a PVC pipe and maintain that overhead position, they shouldn't, they should definitely, definitely not be putting weight on that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I, I have a video of me doing overhead squat at 135 pounds. Now I will say this, like I was doing kind of what you said, I think, you know, it was at like 75 pounds, nothing too heavy. And I was able to find a decent groove. Now, I don't know I was doing astagrass or anything <laughs> like that, but but I was in a good groove, and I was definitely not getting hurt. I think the emphasis for me really was kind of tucking my butt out more, you know, mm -hmm. and really kind of making that an emphasis rather than kind of just dropping down, you know, really kind of looking more curved out. You know, yeah. So that that was a little something that I could do at at a lower weight, um, but I, I think there's two ways to kind of look at things, and it's helpful for me to think I'm just here to work out, right? Now, yeah. if I was training for a competition and that competition had handstand push-ups, would I go? I'm not going to participate. No, I, I probably would, right? Um, right. And I can do a handstand push-up, but, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me to bang my head into the ground, okay? And if somebody has a problem with that, you know, that's your problem, okay? Right. I, I, this is me, and I'm working out, and I'm doing things the way that I would like to work. If you want to personally do a handstand push-up, God bless you, right? But I just... <laughs> Don't think that I, my head needs to be repeatedly, you know, put into the ground. And that was a little bit of the article that we were talking about. It's like there's so many people that go, well, I'll never be able to do a rope climb or I'll never be able to do. And, and, and you know, I'm getting a little bit into the CrossFit thing. But there's a lot of people out there that are scared to lift weights. Right. Right. They're scared to do 
anything that pushes themselves forward because they're scared to get hurt, right? Right. And so here's my simple, this is going to be the title of the podcast, right? Stop doing shit that hurts you, right? And so like when I was sitting there banging my head into the ground, I was like, this hurts me. And right. so I was thinking to myself, I'm not going to do this anymore because it hurts me. And I've been weight lifting weights. I, you know, I, I mean, I've been able to do handstand push-ups forever, you know, right. but you know, toes to bar, I used to be able to do toes to bar, but you know, for the first few toes to bar, you know, they look great. And then mm-hmm. the rest, you have to do like the swingy thing. If you have to do the swingy thing to do a toes to bar, you're probably better off not doing toes to bar and switching the knees to chest. Once again, my opinion, it's going to be a lot of coaches that go, oh, you got to work on your weaknesses. Look, man, I'm all about working on my weaknesses. But at some point, you have to go, this just isn't good for me. I mean, like, if I was to do strict toes to bar, and this is literally whenever we had toes to bar and I would do RX toes to bar, the workout was a toes to bar workout, right? Whatever the other elements were, exactly. I just spent all my time doing toes to bar because my range of motion, you know, as it relates, you know, I have tight hamstrings, you know, it's just, it's just my leverages are different than other people. You know, we all know that if you do, um, you know, wall balls, right? Tall people mm-hmm. With wall balls, short people don't do well with wall balls. With the way that my body works, you know, toes to bar, not great. Um, there's some things that my body works real great. I can deadlift 500 pounds. I've got, I can do, you know, really good strict pull ups, you know, because I have a really strong grip. So, you know, you want to work with your weaknesses, but you don't want to be obsessed about them. You know, now, if you're a CrossFit Games athlete, you probably do need to be obsessed about them. Right. right. But you'll still see even those guys, right, where, you know, I mean, I really did like what Matt Frazier said. Yeah. Where I don't want to have a wheelhouse. Right. right. And and I like that. And I think he and Tia Claire Toomey are great examples of that. But there are other people, you know, Cara Saunders as an example, where, you know, she's going to have kind of a, a, a wheelhouse that's maybe, you know, over, you know, in this small section and then very broad. But uh, I just think I just think there's too many people that are like 58, 65, you know, and spend a lot of time. And I went down that rabbit hole with squats. I went down that rabbit hole with overhead squats, you know. And I mean, I can, you know, I can squat over 300 pounds. Right. But being so obsessed about these kinds of things, I think isn't always helpful. Right, and I just, backing up a little bit, like I can't remember now, this is gonna kill me, I can't remember if it was Matt Frazier or Rich Froning that said that when they're training, they they do a lot more strength training until just a couple months before the games and that's when they start to 
do some of the wads and work on some of those other things. So they're just going back to the strength training. I mean, that's, it should be the base. I mean, that's so important to do some sort of strength training, but within, um, you know, you've got to be able to do, to do the movement. I mean, if you have some issues with squats, there are, you know, other things that you can maybe do that would help, um, build well, those muscles that aren't going to hurt. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, no, there's a great example. Um, and I can't remember the coach off the top of my head, but he would argue that you're way better off doing Bulgarian split squats, yeah. doing single-legged work rather than squats to build the, that muscle and build that strength. And, oh, by the way, you would squat better. Right. right. When you start to test your squat, I mean, now, when we're talking about something like a squat or a deadlift or whatever, you're not going to get better at squatting or deadlifting without squatting or deadlifting. Right. right? But you can build muscle without doing that right and that sometimes that like if squats is really an issue and we you know we have people that they have those issues whether it's a lower back issue whether it's an ankle issue whether you know whatever there like you said there are things that you can do to build those muscles and yeah you may never be great at squatting but that doesn't mean you're not going to have strong hamstrings and strong glutes from doing some of these other things a good example for honestly i'll use myself again i I'm super hyper flexible and so i would never really feel my hamstrings like in a, in a deadlift or a squat i don't feel that um, and so I had a tendency to, um, use my quads more so that it was, um, I'd, I'd kind of roll forward on my toes just a little bit and load my quads. So I realized I had a hamstring and glute weakness. So I have been doing all sorts of things. Kettlebell swings are one of the best things, just a Russian kettlebell swing where you really squeeze your glute and hamstrings. Um, great exercise for building those muscles. And then I've just other, other things, the Bulgarian split squats, lunges, stuff like that. And all of a sudden I worked on all of these. And then when I went back to squatting and really squatting, my, I just, my squat numbers started to really go up really high, but it was because I had already worked those muscles. That makes Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things that's interesting and it's actually funny because the, the guy that wrote the article was also the person that taught me this is that weight above my head made it very difficult for me to, to get asked to grass. Oh, yeah. Weight in front of me, I could get asked to grass easy. So what it meant was is that where your leverages are matter, yeah. right? And so it, it just kind of offset both of those things. And I, I, the, the main emphasis of what I wanted to talk about was really more people that are getting scared away from weight training right or working out with some level of intensity i just want to say to those people that change the workout towards your skill level at that moment you know i didn't start out squatting 300 right i mean that whole process of that rabbit hole is what allowed me to get to that point mm -hmm. right and and working on building that muscle and working on, you know, glutes outside of squats or mm -hmm. quads outside of squats. All those things contributed to a much better approach. And uh, same thing with deadlifts, you know, uh, mm -hmm. is working on my grip, you know, all these things kind of help. And so it's been interesting kind of coming back to, to CrossFit because mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that's sort of happening right now 
is I'm starting to get my strength. My strength is starting to catch up to my cardio a little bit. Yeah. And and so, you know, I, I had a period like when I left for New Orleans, I was sick. So I probably went for a whole week without really working out at all, which is actually interesting, right? Because I just said that I came back from New Orleans with weight lower. Um, I didn't work out at all. Uh, we did we did steps, of course, mm-hmm. you know, walking around the city, but um, and then we ate re- oh, really freely. If you go to New Orleans and you don't eat freely, you you're just doing life wrong. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I, I just think that when I the thing that that really struck me with his article was that this movement assessment and then you know then later on hearing that I have interior pelvic tilt and later on hearing that you know a scalp scapula is wonky and you know all these things made me feel more broken did not make me feel more empowered right right and so you know there was just a point in where the first time that I left CrossFit, I left because I just got tired of working on my weaknesses and shit that was kind of hurting me a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and what's been interesting is just sort of seeing that movement to where most people in the gym, like I said, you know, 10 years ago when I first started, you know, there was this thought process that was a little bit more rigid. And I think as more people have come with more movement, you know, liabilities and things like that, you know, they've had to be more flexible and it's actually worked out really good. And, you know, it was kind of funny because yesterday the instructor was sick and, and she, she knows that I deadlift really well. And so she had me de- demonstrate the the deadlift, and, and it's little you know to all these new people they think I've been crossfitting for three weeks, and here I am demonstrating the deadlift. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was um, let's see if I can think of what I was what I was gonna say. I may have lost it thinking about that, but um, oh, I was gonna say so when you do something like that, I was thinking about when you left CrossFit, when you're always working on a weakness and you're doing something that um you know, that hurts and that beats you down. Honestly, that's such a mental um, defeat. And um, I mean, we all need wins. And that's, um, I actually had a long conversation with my volleyball team about just, um, you know, attitude and positivity. And then um, I kind of carried it over to my CrossFit classes yesterday, just because I thought it was something that needed to be said and that negative self-talk and stuff. But um, if you're always working on a weakness and you're always trying to work on these things that are that are that you're not getting better at for whatever reason, if it's a physical limitation or if it's a strength issue or, you know, and, or something hurts all the time and you keep doing it and keep doing it, like you said, you know, let's not do the stuff that hurts, you know, that mental battle that it's, it's going to get you. It's going to beat you down. Um, we all need yeah. wins. We need to do something that we're good at. We need to be able to have some success. We need to be able to, um, you know, walk into the gym and think, I'm going to do this. This is going to be a workout I can do. I'm going to feel good. When I'm done, I'm not going to be beaten down and hurt. Um, just a quick example. I use my, um, there's a girl on my volleyball team who's never played before. And um, we're in a 11, 12-year-old league, and she's never played. She walked into this, never played before. She can't overhand serve um, at all. 
like we tried, I want, I really want all my girls to overhand serve just because I wanted that to be our standard. Most of them can, she can't. And the first two games she, you know, she tried and um, it, it didn't get it, didn't get a serve, didn't even get close. And so during, it was the second week, we have two games and we had a half hour in between. And I took that half hour to teach her to underhand serve. Cause again, she'd never served at all. And I taught her to underhand serve and she got it and walked on the court in the next game when she had to serve and actually scored a point. And yeah. I, I did that. And I went to her parents and explained it because I didn't want them to think for me, honestly, it has absolutely nothing to do with winning. It had nothing to do with her scoring a point for our team. It had everything to do with her walking on that court, knowing she was going to have success or having success. So the next time she walked on the court, knowing that it was going to be, she could do it. And just that, that mental win for her is going to help because just those always those negative in everything. I think that's just life. Oh, I mean, I, I think there's too many people that exercise with things that they don't like right? and, and they don't get those wins. Right. right? And, and, you know, uh, but that for us, her getting that point was, I don't remember now. I don't, honestly, I don't even know if we won that game or not. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but us, her getting that point was a win. You should have seen the rest of the girls, you know, rally yeah. around her and so excited. And, you know, it's like, do something you're good at. I tell my tell my clients that I, you know, if you have a workout that you know you can just kill if you do it because that's all your movements, all your wheelhouse, go in there and do it and feel good. Don't level up to do something that you can't and spend the whole time doing toes to bar. Yeah. <laughs> and pick yourself up when you're done because you didn't do well. Yeah, no, a great example of what you're talking about was my obsession with muscle ups at, at a certain point. So I have a um a limitation with my left shoulder mm -hmm. and um so i was working through the progressions you know i've got rings in my house and mm -hmm. you know um and i'm doing all these things and to the point where i would overuse i would get a little overuse issue i wouldn't call it an injury but just like an overuse issue mm -hmm. and every time I would work through the progressions. I would get to a point where I couldn't work out for like a whole week yeah. because because I was overdoing it too much. And I just had to lose the muscle up dream. Right. Right. And. And that was free for me, you know, because like you said, if you just, you know, and I, I think this translates to, to weight loss, but we don't want to make everything about weight loss all the time. If you have 100 pounds or bust, right, and you don't break it down into smaller increments, you're just setting yourself up for failure. And this is why most people actually do fail, right? right. And um, I think that that's just a really important piece. But but I would highly encourage people um i posted in the egp training group I, i'll post it in the community group as well but the guy's name is tony gentlicor um it's one of his here actually i've got it up here right now i'll, I'll give you of course i can't <laughs> can't get it right at the moment of course <laughs> 
now. It's not allowing me. But but it the article is basically just about you being broken, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of check that out. Um, there's one more thing I would say. You talked about strength training being healing, you know, like, um, and I know the article talks about this too, but, um, you know, it's, I mean, being able to do something that you didn't think you could do, getting stronger, all of that's a mental healing too. But I just wanted to bring up, there's a, um, just because this is like my favorite, favorite story. There is a guy in our gym. His name is Neil Goodson, and he will not mind if I tell this because I've told the story a million times. But Neil is 68, and he has Parkinson's disease. And um, he, his Parkinson's disease ha is better because he strength trains. And yeah. a lot of it is because the doctors are figuring out that the more muscle mass he has, his tremors are less because the tremors, they can't move as much muscle. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, but so for him, strength training is literally healing. You know, it's helping make the Parkinson's better or keep it from getting worse. But I have one real quick story while I brought him up. He's actually the reason I do CrossFit because he's been a longtime family friend and I, um, I was not at the same gym he was. I'm not the gym I'm currently at. We we're currently at the same gym, but I was at another gym that had just transferred over to a CrossFit gym. And I tried a CrossFit workout one time and it was the Filthy 50, which is awful, by the way. And I said, I'm never doing this again. The next morning I couldn't walk. I tried to run 10 miles and I like ran a half a mile. And I'm like, I'm never doing CrossFit. It's not for me. Forget it. Then I heard Neil Goodson talking about CrossFit. His wife's actually my daughter's piano teacher. And he was talking about CrossFit and talking about doing Karen, the 150 wall balls. And when I heard him talk about it, that was my thing. I was like, well, gosh, dang it. If Neil Goodson can do CrossFit, then I better be able to do, I should do CrossFit too. So anyway, that's just a quick story how I even started. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to, you know, I have my level two certification like coach, but he, it really is. Strength training is so important. And if you're scared of it, my recommendation would be to find someone who knows what they're doing, whether it's a personal trainer or a gym or something that can help you make sure you're doing it correctly so you don't hurt yourself. That's our biggest emphasis when it comes to strength training because we're a strength-based gym. We have each of our members are on a strength program for squats, deadlift, bench, and overhead press. And we do those lifts every week on the program, either a juggernaut program or a 531 program or a max effort or a linear program, depending on what your goals and limitations are but make sure you have someone who knows what they're doing to show you so you don't get hurt but don't be a, don't be afraid to try it because building muscle getting stronger and strength training is healing for the body and the mind so, so the website is tony gent liqueur it's t-o-n-y-g-e-n-t-i-l-c-o-r-e.com and the article is called getting stronger is corrective let me read you the first this is a client talking to him. Mm -hmm. I think he's, it's just a, an avatar of what a lot of people he says. Oh, I forgot to tell you. My previous trainer said I have a wing scapula. My left hip is a bit internally rotated and that my posture is bad. What Meredith is saying, what this article is saying, and what I'm saying is no matter what your weaknesses are, you can exercise, right? And you can exercise with intensity, yes. right? Because when you look at sort of the magic of eat to perform and the magic of moving is when you get to that part where you're constantly getting better and that intensity starts to take over, 
you know, it was interesting because, um, you know, after yesterday's workout, you know, with deadlifts and handstand push-ups, I came home, you know, and I took off my shirt and I, I mean, and I just reflected for just a second to think to myself, when I didn't lift weights, when I was obese, I looked nothing like that, right? I look like a muscle guy, you know, and I want everyone to have that feeling of pride that the work that they're putting in is showing them a result. And as long as you stay away from things that hurt you, you don't need to hurt yourself to get to a place of intensity. You don't need to hurt yourself to get max effort. There was a time where max effort deadlift for me was 200 pounds. And then there was a time where it was 500 pounds, right? And now it's a lot, you know, it's a lot less than that. I mean, I haven't really explored. I think, you know, the most I've done in probably the last six months is 425, but it, mostly I play in the, you know, 225 to 375 range you know, for, for reps. The good majority, I think one of the things that people try to do a little bit too often, especially early on, is they want to test all the time. They want to test their strength for one rep or, or things of that nature. And at this stage of the game, I think Meredith would probably say the same. You know, for us, it's more about working progressions up to you know, where you're ultimately going to go. And, and I think what Meredith said was so brilliant is that when you're working out, take some wins. Don't just show up and beat the snot out yourself. You know, there's this gal, Kate, from our gym who got a rope climb this week. Yeah. You know, she said she'd been working on a rope climb for four years, mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, if it doesn't hurt you and you can work towards that and you have the patience to do that, then go right ahead, right? That's, we all have that, you know? Yeah. But like, you know, I have like this weird set of skills. You know, I can do, um, like I said, legless rope climbs. That's like a, you know, things that everybody wants, kind of easy for me, right? Um, really high deadlift, um, pegboard. Yeah. Right. Like I can do pegboard, you know. Um, so don't spend your whole life, you know, focusing on the things I can't do double unders. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can do them one at a time, right. you know, but but um, just don't spend your whole exercise journey focusing on all the things you can't do and then letting that stop you. Because exercise, and especially exercising with effort, exercising at intensity, that's where the magic is at, right? right? There was a lady, and she was talking about a friend of her that lost 100 pounds and became a personal trainer. And she said something that I think everyone needs to hear. The reason why she lost that 100 pounds had a lot more to do with moving than it did food, you okay. know? And I think that there's too many folks that are sitting in that scared section, right? For the longest time, this was my story. You mm -hmm. know, I, you know, I talked about it before Eat to Perform. You know, I did not have exercise in my life, and I kept 
constantly, you know, boomer bust dieting. Mm -hmm. And when I added movement, I had two tools in the box rather than than one tool. And then when you start to add in weight training, you add another tool. And so you're just kind of adding all these tools along the way that don't hurt you. I've been very lucky to not get hurt. I've also been kind of bullheaded about it. You know, when it got to a point where I felt like I was being pressured to get hurt, I left. Right. You know, and when I came back, I was like, you know what? You guys are going to accept me the way that I am. You know, I say, you're my family. We're going to be a dysfunctional family and I'm going to be the one in the family that just doesn't overhead squat. Well, that'll just be the way that it is. You know, <laughs> uh, but you, you're going to be forced to love me. And <laughs> it's been interesting because, you know, now there's more me's there. Yeah. You know, there's more people that are like me. And I think that that's a good movement. And I think in general, you know, if you're a personal trainer, I hope you're listening to this and adjusting your mental approach too, because, you know, really fitness and, and all this stuff needs to be about being more inclusive. Right? It does. There's one thing you kind of, it just brought it up. And I, again, it's just because it's been we'll on, end my on this note. Okay. On this note. And it, it is a good note to end on. This has been on my mind and it's been, it's like I said, I partly talked to my volleyball team about it and I talked to my classes about it yesterday, but something just like getting that win, doing something, not always the negative. It's also, I want, I just want everyone to think about um, how they talk to themselves too, because if I would never say to Paul, um, you really suck and that was a horrible workout and you didn't try very hard. I would never say that to Paul. Why would I say that to myself? You know, I um, and the same goes with like dieting and our thing. You know, I'm not going to go to any of my clients and say, you know, you you're horrible at eating. Your macros are awful. Um, I don't even know why you try. Why do we say that to ourselves? So because how we talk to ourselves, our words have power and our thoughts have power. And I just keep it positive. Try to keep that positivity and focus on that positivity and not, you know, even something. I did a little video montage of why people do CrossFit this week for my gym. And somebody said, the first thing she said is I do CrossFit because I hate myself. And I'm like, what? That has power. Why would you say that? And I got her to turn it around to, I do CrossFit so I can learn to love myself. And the difference in those two thoughts is, a, is, is powerful. And we can use that in every aspect of our life from our, our nutrition to our exercise and to our families and on. So that's kind of my life lesson, I guess, this week that I've been focused on. Um, your words have power and how you talk to yourself is important. Yeah, you, you could even talk to her about twisting it to love myself more. Because yes. if you say love myself more, it at least insinuates that you love yourself you love your a little bit, you yeah. know? I said, we worked on it. I had to get her. I, I thought we came a long way. No, I know. I, <laughs> trust me, you know, um, I, I don't think that most people realize that sometimes they're their own worst enemy. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was a great talk. I'm sorry. You know, we kind of we kind of we're all right. the board, but I think I think we got to a great point there. Hopefully everyone <laughs> sticks around to the end to hear it. But uh, appreciate everybody being here. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys.